Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of Showbound, presented by Halliburton Rye Whiskey coming summer 2021. I'm your host, Michael Raskin, here along with my co-host, Ethan Cardwell. Hey, guys, uh, Ethan Cardwell here, checking in with uh, Michael Raskin and getting our first episode out there. Yeah, first episode, we got a good one. And uh, and for those of you who don't know, Cardsy plays for the Barry Colts in the OHL, very well-connected hockey player who has a lot of friends at high levels of hockey that we're going to be having on throughout this whole thing and before we actually talk about what I have written down about like our plans for the podcast I want to say that I had a weird kind of moment today Cardsy I want to get your opinion on it I I went to get a haircut uh you know the the COVID hair has been pretty inconsistent for me so I was like get a get a nice fade or something and yeah I I go in and I sat down nice lady cutting my hair whatever and I just sat there it was like 30 minutes long which is pretty long for me because I don't have long hair and mm-hmm. it was silent the whole time, man. It was like, she didn't say a word at the, like, other than just, Hey, how are you at the beginning? And yeah. And like, it's, it's so awkward. Like someone else came in and, and that guy and his barber were talking the whole time. What, like, am I supposed to dictate the conversation in that situation? Like, I feel like as a barber, they should have to be talking to you. Is, is that fair? I mean, I'm not going to speak for any barbers, but I'm a pretty talkative guy myself. And if I'm cutting hair all day, I don't, I don't know if I want to just sit there for eight hours and not say a word. I mean, I try to make some conversation with people and just at least hear something about them, at least keep the day interesting. I mean, yeah, like not only was it boring, like that's fine for me at least, but it, it was more awkward than anything where like she's walking yeah. around, she's like grabbing my head, like pushing my head down, like trying to get the back instead of, why don't you just say like, can you, can you angle your head down? It literally wouldn't open her mouth. And I just felt weird sitting there I don't know yeah it's a little awkward at least she did a half decent job like you don't look that bad <laughs> hey you got a mop on your head man so you can't say hey anything. look at this this is a nice <laughs> area here Looking cool. uh all right anyway so I want to get into kind of what we're gonna uh be doing with this podcast here so it's gonna be a pretty pretty interview based podcast you know me and cards you can talk a bit at the beginning and uh, about what's going on but you know, this episode, we have Cole Perfetti on, as you know, from the title, we're going to have mainly players, some NHL, OHL, NCAA coaches, managers, whoever, like, but mainly players kind of talk about their careers and, and share some stories and interesting lessons that can help young hockey players in the future and things you can take to everyday life. And we're also going to be, yeah, just talking about what's going on in the hockey world as, as things are happening. Uh, for example, we're going to get into a good one in a bit with the, the hitting dispute in the OHL. We'll, we'll just kind of talk about that. And, and yeah. also once the OHL season gets going, we'll probably be talking a lot about, about that. Obviously with Cardi being a current player, we'll be getting all the news and the drama, what's going on. So that's yeah. something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, so Cardi, I want, I want everyone to get to know you a little bit more. Um, you know, like I said, you're a player for the Barry Colts now, but you played for the Saginaw spirit the last kind of year and a half. Just talk about sort of your experience, like quickly your experience in the OHL so far. Yeah, my OHL experience has been uh, a lot of fun, really. I met a lot of great people along the way, some good mentors, and learned a lot about myself and myself as a player and uh, kind of grown up over the past two years a lot. I mean, when I went in, I was immature, a little bit, a 15-year-old first moving into Saginaw. And at first, I was a little bit scared, timid, immature, just not ready to be a pro. And uh, kind of over these last two years, especially towards the end of my first year, I just I started to become a pro and uh, just kind of go about things the, the way you have to if you want to make it to the next level. And I feel like that's really benefited me as a player. But all in all, it's been a great first two years in the O and just looking forward to get this one going here soon. Cardsy also has a lot of good insight that he's going to be passing along, you know, very wise guy for your age. So I think, uh, you know, as, as you guys get to know us a little more and listen to more episodes, even in the Perfetti interview, uh, you chime in with some good, good uh, little pieces of advice and it, it's awesome to have a guy like you on the podcast where where you can share those things you know as a current active OHL player so that's pretty sweet and I'll just touch on quickly how we met uh last season I worked for the Barry Colts and uh you know we met there when you got traded only at a short time together to be honest with the with the season being cut short so yeah you kind of touched on it whenever the season gets going this year cards it's rumored to start in February now it's kind of like solidified february start date i believe yeah what are your thoughts on that i feel like at first the first date they kind of gave us was just a little bit to keep everyone excited i don't think anyone really bought too much into it or whatnot i kind of figured it was going to be after the new year 
Um, and then now that we get this date, it's a little bit more excitement. I know we have three months still till we get to that date, but um, it's, it's a date that looks like it's set in stone. And uh, I, I think it's something that everyone can count on and it's going to start then, I hope. So what are you doing right now in the off season? How are you getting ready for that season? I've actually really gotten into my fitness quite a bit more than I have in uh, years past, actually. Uh, I trained five days a week in years past and whatnot, but this year I kind of really wanted to improve my strength really and my size. So I've gotten a lot bigger over the course of quarantine at the start. I really had nothing to do. So I was working out two or three times a day at my house, but now I'm just um, a lot of skating, skating three or four times a week with vets, which you'll find out more on later um, in the episode and then, uh, working out with my trainer once a week or not once a week, every day, a, a week. Um, and then to go along with that, I'll normally do some training at home, either hill runs with a weighted vest or some bench press in my basement, or, uh, just using the dumbbells here and just, just trying to make the most of my time and, uh, not waste it. I want to maybe address like a, maybe a little bit of a sore topic with you, but with the NHL draft, um, you were you were a pretty highly rated player. I think you were the highest rated player to not get picked. And it's it's tough. We were texting all day. I was really confident you were going to be a pick. I think everyone was. And uh, I want to know, like, what are your feelings? Are you more motivated now? Like, can you just talk about that whole situation with the draft? Yeah, it was a tough day. I mean, I went into the day with high hopes. Um, had a lot of good interviews with teams and whatnot, but uh, obviously um, just didn't fall in place for me that day. Not sure why I feel like I did enough, but um, no, at the same time, it's, it's really good for me. Uh, the day after you kind of realize um, everyone's on that same playing field again, and you got to, you got to earn your contract and earn it to make it to the next level. So I've kind of taken it in stride and really uh, felt like I got a big chip on my shoulder and something to really prove this year and uh, going into like my third year technically in the OHL. Um, I feel like coming back a lot bigger and stronger. A lot of people are going to see a different side of a player that they didn't get to see before with a lot more weight on my body and uh, a lot more uh, speed and skill that I've uh, developed over this uh, summer. And, but yeah, like you said, it's just a prove everyone wrong type thing. And, I feel like if I uh, play the way I can, I'll uh, do a good job of that and hopefully set myself up to be a pick next year. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the best mentality to, to bring. Now you've, you're probably, you know, play with a little anger, you know, I want to, I want to make it. And honestly, you know, I, I spoke to a couple people at, a lot of people are pretty confident you will be a pick next year. And, and even if not, you'll definitely be earning some camp invites and, um, mm -hmm. you were over a point a game when you came to Barry, like that's, that's as an 18 year old in the league, that's really impressive, obviously for any age in the league, that's impressive. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have full confidence in you that, you know, you're going to do the right thing with this motivation and, and play better than ever. Anyway, before we kind of send it to Perfetti, I want to talk about, like I mentioned, the hitting thing in the OHL this year, there's been some controversy, um, you know, ministers of parliament saying that, uh, OHL shouldn't have hitting this year and it won't have hitting if it continues. And then, you know, Ontario premier Doug Ford is saying that it will. And what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah. When I saw what Doug Ford said on Twitter the other day, that was kind of a good feeling going forward to the season. I don't think we can, I don't know how it's going to work if there's no hitting it'll be very awkward. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to go with it, whatever it is, because we don't make the rules, but um, I feel like if the premier's pushing for it, um, he's kind of obviously overlooks the whole uh, province itself. And uh, so I think if he has good vibes about us having hitting and uh, wants to push for it, I think it'll be able to happen in a uh, timely, hopefully February 4th and uh, a safe fashion for us. Yeah. And I'll give my own opinion on this one. If there is going to be a, a spread of COVID, it's not going to be the hitting that does it. It's going to be the bus travel, the face-offs, the like, literally anything else being in the room together I don't think it's going to be the yeah. hitting that does it so that that's my opinion on it I think taking away hitting uh I saw someone on the New York Islanders tweeted I can't remember it's just going to create more small area battles like if someone's just carrying yeah. the puck in the corner and you can't hit them now people are just going to swarm him and try to get it like you can't separate the puck from him 
So, yeah, I think there are more people pinned up against the wall too because you can't hit. So you just go and kind of rub them out and pin them. And then it looks like you're being in the corner with them a lot longer than you would have been if you just gave them a nice bump. Yeah, so so that's my opinion. And uh, I think most people, at least most hockey players, are on the same page. But uh, yeah, um, so we'll send it over to the Perfetti interview. I just, uh, I want to say there was a bit of audio difficulties. It's our first first interview that we've done. And I think it wasn't even that bad, but Cardi, you're your audio was just a little bit off. I think the, he was trying to flex the AirPods too much. So the, the microphone might've been not as good. <laughs> hey, well, what, what can you say? You try to show off a little bit and you get an ass for it. No, <laughs> but uh, no, we apologize about that. And uh, we'll have things situated for episode two, but I think everyone's going to really enjoy this one. I mean, we got a top 10 pick on from the 2020 NHL draft a guy who's proven himself in the OHL and at the national level with team Canada and whatnot. And I think uh, he's got a lot of good things to say, not only for the young listeners out there, but everyone and uh, maybe even get a few uh, laughs out of it. Yeah. I think he spoke really well. And, and for me, not knowing him, I was, uh, I wasn't sure what, what kind of stuff he'd bring, whether he, he can talk well or not. And he really spoke well, he was exciting to talk to and, you know, very interesting, had a lot of good insight and, and we talked about his whole career and we'll send it over to him. But before we do, I just want to say that this interview is sponsored by Light the Lamp Hockey. These guys run a hockey clothing brand out of Edmonton, Alberta. They have some unreal products that are sure to turn heads at the rink or just around town. They put funny hockey twists on popular clothing items like Bender Pro Shops hats and Pondagonia sweaters and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. Go check out their Instagram at L-T-L-H-C-K-Y and their website, ltlhockey.com. And while you're checking them out, why not take a look at their most recent summer drop? The highly anticipated winter drop is releasing soon, so be sure you toss a follow and keep your eyes peeled for it. Once again, that's ltlhockey.com. And with that being said, we'll send it over to Cole Perfetti. All right, Chuck, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, so Cole, I, firstly, I want to congratulate you on the whole everything that's going on the last couple of weeks, getting drafted and all that. But, uh, and we're going to get into that soon, but before we do, I want to kind of go back to the start of uh, your career and your minor, minor midget season there for the Vaughn Kings. I remember watching the Vaughn Kings actually in the OHL cup. I was hanging around the rinks and watching. I didn't really know much about uh, who the top players were, but it was, it was pretty clear to see that you were doing well and, and scoring a lot of goals there. So I just want to know what was it like kind of that whole minor midget year um, and being on such a top team? Like, how did that go for you? Yeah, that was good. Um, that was my first year actually in the GTHL. I played the rest of my minor hockey in, in Whitby with the OHA and um, played up a year with the O1 team. So I got to experience the OHL Cup um, the year before. So I kind of knew what to expect going in. Yeah. But it was a good experience the second time around. I had a pretty dominant team going to the finals was a good experience and, um, you know, playing on, uh, on sports net on that championship game was fun and it was a, it was a good year we ended up you know losing in the finals of hl cup didn't didn't do great in the playoffs but we had a really strong team and you know there's a couple of good players from that team now so it was a lot of fun and uh you know great year obviously you ended up getting drafted fifth overall to saginaw i want to know like firstly what was your ohl draft experience like but then also did you know you were going to go to saginaw at that point yeah, I didn't really know much. Um, I wasn't really paying attention because I was going to school. Um, I was committed to University of Michigan, and I didn't really have any expectations for that day. Didn't know what to um, expect and kind of just going with the flow. Obviously, I was watching it with uh, my mom and dad just to see what was happening. But, um, you know, I didn't expect anything. And, you know, I got a call from Saginaw and uh, saying that, that I was getting drafted there. And um, that was kind of it. I didn't really you know, say too much about, I still have my mindset on going to um, Michigan and, and going the school route. Um, but, you know, over time, I started weighing my options and, and seeing what was best for my hockey. And, and I decided that the OHL and Saginaw was, was the best route for me. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that you were uh, committed there, actually. Obviously you stepped into the league and you lit it up in your first season over a point a game, 74 points in 63 games, actually with 37 goals got the stats written down when you got through your first preseason games did you think you'd be able to make a huge impact the way you did I remember uh Cardi this one I think you'll get a kick out of this um you know Brant Clark this year for Barry lit it up in the preseason like he had I yeah. think, like multiple like four or five point games and 
And so I, everyone was thinking he's just going to tear it up. And then he didn't score for like 30 or 40 games into the season. And uh, yeah, I remember everyone was teasing him about that. But, but yeah, so, I mean, Cole, when you come in after the preseason, are you like, this is uh, like, I'm going to do really well here. Did you think it was going to be more of an adjustment? Yeah. I mean, I think I had a point a game in the preseason leading up in five games. I think I had five assists and hadn't scored. And um, it was still a big adjustment going from minor midget and the, the pace was really high and I was still getting used to it. Um, it wasn't until about November when I really started feeling comfortable in the OHL, you know, took two months to get used to it. I wasn't great in the first couple games and, um, you know, didn't play my best hockey. And I was a little hesitant out there, but, um, you know, I went away to U-17s in the beginning of November. And when I came back, I really felt that, um, you know, our team had changed and um, I was able to play that um, style that I was normally used to playing. And, you know, I just, it, it, we fit in great and, you know, started to roll from there and, and things started to get better. And I started to play with a lot more confidence and, and that's when things started to click and um, the points started to come. So it, it was a bit of an adjustment right away. And I didn't think it was going to be um, easy by any, by any means um, stepping into the league, but, over time, I just got comfortable and, um, you know, things started to click and, and get better as the year went on. I'm just going to, I'm going to hop in and grab yeah. something here. He says he started off slow. Um, I was there as a healthy scratch game one and he scored his first shift, I think. And guy gets his first away goal and then he gets two that night, first start of the game. And Saginaw trounces uh, the Sioux night one. So I don't know how much of a slow start that is. But to go along with that, I have a funny story from that morning, actually. I remember being at school with him. We're talking, and he's like, Fetz is freaking out. He's like, man, I haven't scored yet. Like, is it, is it going to be hard for me to get a goal in this league? Like, I don't know. Like, am I just going to be a straight pass guy now? I'm like, dude, like, you're going to score. And then, sure enough, goes out for a shift, boom. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I mean – pretty good first game but other than that it started to slow down a little bit for a couple games there in October and in early November but um yeah that was a pretty good start to the OHL career couldn't ask for much more than that yeah it's pretty impressive and and that season you guys had a really good team and and went pretty far into the playoffs can you just talk about and, and let the listeners know how how the mindset changes in the playoffs I think it's such a different experience especially as you go deeper and uh you were a big part of that run so can you just talk about you know, the mentality of the playoffs and how different it is? Yeah, it's um, – the playoffs are a different beast, even, um, you know, especially in the NHL, like the the fans start to come. Uh, I mean, Saginaw gets a good fan base, um, you know, regardless, but it, it gets a – there's a different buzz in the arena once it hits playoff time. And, you know, in the, the first round, I remember playing Sarnia and down 2 nothing, and Cards will be the first one to tell you he's got the most important goal in, in Saginaw history um, to, to kickstart our playoff run um, to get it to 2-1. But, um, you know, the when you score in the playoffs, the, the the building has a certain kind of buzz and, you know, the game elevates in, in your mentality and, and, and effort and, and work ethic and, and everything just elevates to a whole new level. And um, the importance of the games um, really rise and it's – it's the best time of year. I mean, I wish playoff hockey was all year round and, um, you know, it's too bad. We didn't get to do it this year because Saginaw was going to, you know, we were looking to go on a long run and run again and um, had a really strong team. And, you know, it sucks, you know, being so close to the playoffs and getting, and getting it uh, cut off, but uh, it was, it, the playoffs are the best. And, uh, you know, we had a great team, made a great run and, and learned a lot on that, um, you know, Western Conference final run that we went on two years ago. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. So I got another follow up question for both of you guys. Actually, I just find that in the playoffs, people tend to think more like we got to win this game. Whereas in the regular season, it's everyone wants to win. And the the fact is, like you you have to worry about yourself. And people are thinking about getting their own points, and and that's a huge hugely important thing. Um, but I think in the playoffs, people just don't care about that. You don't care. About, you don't hear guys like, oh, I had a three-point game. Like, um, do, do you guys agree that that's kind of like a big part of the mindset where it's just it's team first at that point? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the playoffs, it's all about winning. You know, during the year, you're just trying to get to the playoffs. And, um, you know, that's you're trying to have personal success. Mainly, you're trying to have team success to get to the playoffs. But obviously, the personal success is, um, you know, very important for everyone. Um but once it comes to the playoffs, I mean, you see this year, even in the NHL, Tyler Sagan wasn't, uh, you know, able to score. He was a little snake bitten and um, 
playing through an injury that was pretty bad. And, uh, you know, when they scored and he was on the ice or he was on the bench, you could tell just pure excitement and pure joy every time someone else scored. And, you know, he's supposed to be that guy that's supposed to be the goal scorer. And um, even when he wasn't doing it and taking a lot of criticism and heat from the social media, um, he was still the happiest guy ever when they would score. And that goes to show you that it's, um, you know, personal success kind of goes out the window in the in the playoffs. It's all about winning and, and moving on and, and being successful as a team. And, um, you know, the, the more successful you are as a team, the, the individual success will come. So it's uh, kind of goes hand in hand. And but yeah, 100 percent, the 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 playoffs bring a different beast and they definitely um, elevate everyone's game and kind of put the personal success um, away to this on the side. Yeah, I, I agree with him there. I mean, you can't it's playoffs it's winning means everything right so everyone will put everything aside and do whatever it takes kind of so I feel like even the most skilled guys get gritty in the playoffs and bear down on pucks and it, it just doing whatever it takes to win I know personally for me on our long playoff run there and the games I did get in I was a fourth liner and some games I get like one or two shifts but still just be super pumped to just be there and be uh be part of it Cole heading into your second year this most recent year uh it's your draft year and you know, people are talking about you at the beginning, potentially going as a top three pick. Do you pay attention to that stuff? I mean, it's got to be hard not to. And, and if you did, how does that affect you? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, they'd be lying if they said they didn't look at the rankings. Everyone does, trying to get a gauge, a grasp of where they're going to go, what where they're thinking for the draft. Everyone looks at it. I, it just, you can't let it affect you, good or bad. Um, you kind of got to stay level-headed with it. You know, if you see a positive ranking, you can't get, you know, let your head get too big and think you're, um, you know, a big shot, but, you know, vice versa. If you see a, a ranking where you think you're a little low, um, you can't mope about it. You've got to try and use it as motivation and um, to, to get your name into a spot where you, you think is, is right for you. Um, you know, I think those rankings, everyone's got their own opinion and they don't really matter until draft night. I mean, you see this year in, in, in the draft, there was a lot of kids that, that went in places where they weren't necessarily supposed to go due to internet scouts and, um, Tiesta and Sportsnet rankings they all are they all have their own opinion and, and they like who they like but at the end of the day each individual NHL team has their has their thoughts and opinions and um, it doesn't you know those, those rankings sure it's nice to be on them and it makes you feel good but you can't let them um, get in your head and, and affect your play you just got to keep playing the game you you, you know and and your style and um, keep doing what you can that that's got you on those lists and um, I think you know they're 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 overhyped and, and they don't mean as much as, as what they actually do. And, um, you know, I think if a lot of players stayed away from those and off social media and away from the, the list, then everyone would be better out, off. But, uh, you know, everyone's human and wants to see um, where they are for sure. Yeah, definitely. Also last season, there was a lot of uh, talk around the world juniors and whether or not you'd make the team. Uh, firstly, I want to congratulate you for this year. You've already been named to the selection camp and you know, it's, uh, I don't want to say you're going to make it, but it, you definitely have a very good chance. Um, and that's exciting, but you ended up getting cut last season at the end of camp. And I want to know what was that experience like for you just being at camp and did getting cut motivate you to work harder or did it go the other way where you were down on yourself? No, it definitely motivated me for sure. Um, you know, being at that camp was just a big, um, you know, success for me. I just, being invited as a 17 year old was, was massive for me getting that experience and um, exposure at that level. It was, I, I was very happy. Um, but once I got there, obviously I wanted to make the team. It was been a dream of mine ever since I was little to play on the world junior national team and um, to be so close and um, you know, get cut. That was the first time being cut. So there was lots of lessons there to be learned. And, you know, they say failure is the, the best thing for, you know, future success. So, and I think it was for me, I, you know, I'd never been cut and, um, that was the first time. And I, I think I handled it pretty well. I used it as motivation going into every other game after that, um, the rest of the year with Saginaw. And I think that was the turning point in my season when my game started to elevate and um, I started to take over more and I started to play with more confidence and, and try to dominate. Um, I kind of had a mindset going in that I wanted to prove Team Canada and Dale and Mark Hunter wrong for not taking me. And, you know, I try to just, you know, give it to them and, and prove them wrong every night. And, um, just play my best. And, and that's when, you know, my game picked up and, and the points started to come and I really started to play, um, you know, good hockey. And, and that's, that's definitely the big turning point in my season. Yeah. I mean, I'd say you definitely uh, 
like the way you said that definitely proves that you did use it as motivation. You had 111 points last season, 37 goals and 74 assists. So you really developed your playmaking side of the game compared to the season before. So you've proven yourself at the OHL level as, as both a scorer and as a playmaker now. Uh, what do you need to add to your toolbox or what do you need to do to do that at the NHL level? Yeah, I think, I mean, you see how fast the NHL is and um, the speed of the, people, of the players' brains, their hands, their passing, and, and especially their skating. It, it's just so fast at the next level. And um, that's just one thing that I want to improve is overall speed. I think, um, you know, that's going to come with getting stronger and bigger in the gym and naturally just getting faster. But a lot of it's also going to come with my, um, you know, time I spend um, focusing on my stride and improving my stride on the ice with my technical coach. Um, I think it's really important that I do that and, and have that as a main focus if I want to get faster. And, um, you know, I think everyone wants to get faster, but that's something that I really need to improve on. And, and I really want to improve on to, to be able to make the jump to the next level faster. Um, but, you know, you see how fast the game is. And that's definitely the one thing that I need to do is just to get bigger and stronger. I think a lot of that will come naturally um, with just maturing and stuff and being in the gym, but it's also going to take a lot of hard work on and off the ice that's going to help with the mechanics of my stride and, and, and stuff like that. You were drafted 10th overall by the Winnipeg Jets, as everybody I'm sure knows. And I have a couple questions about this. I'll kind of take it in steps. So firstly, uh, before the draft, even, do you have any interesting stories about your draft meetings with teams? Um, I know that like, and, and GMs and stuff, people say that GMs ask the mind questions, like try to get in their heads, see how you respond. Do you have anything like that that happened? I never had anything crazy. Um, you know, everyone's at, a lot of people have asked me that question. Like, what's the craziest question you got asked or what's the craziest thing you heard during your interviews? But I never had anything like everything was pretty straightforward and kind of down to the point, trying to see what kind of person, you know, my, my beliefs and values the what I bring to the table on and off the ice stuff like that nothing too crazy um I guess the weirdest one was a I think me and you took the same New York Islanders um last in Saginaw after a game this year and I think they get a lot of a lot of people to do it but it's like 300 questions long it took like 45 minutes after a game a lot of mind questions um a lot of it was pretty crazy some of the stuff they were asking and um, just to see, you know, how you process things and, and how your brain works. Um, but I never had anything in a meeting or an interview, just, that was the only kind of thing that was, um, kind of hard and, and, um, mind stressing, I guess you could say, I don't know. It was pretty tough, but in that, that um, was the long one. Yeah. It took us like at least 45 minutes after a game, just yeah. sitting in our smelly ditch in the, <laughs> in the training room, just it was dragging on a bit knife to spoon i think one of the questions was that yeah, really you, what if knife, is to, knife is to cut then spoon is to and it gives you a bunch of options like dig and uh yeah. scoop and shovel i don't even know it was crazy stuff but it was uh it was an interesting one for sure i wonder obviously it's good to know players as best you can before drafting them but i wonder at what point is is it too much at what point like does that even matter um but that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that kind of stuff for your pick by Winnipeg. It, it was a really special one for me. And I think anyone who got picked in that spot, I'd become a fan of instantly because uh, the pick was made by Crystal Howard, Chuck, Dale Howard, Chuck's wife. And I got to know Dale a lot this year in Barry. And it was just an emotional moment for me. Cardsy, did you get to know Dale at all this year? Yeah. I had the privilege of uh, meeting Dale, obviously really special guy and tough battle for him. But uh, his legacy is going to live on for sure in Winnipeg and in Barry. And, yeah, I did get the chance to meet him a few times and just had nothing but great things to uh, say about him for sure. Yeah, it was just – this was the first year I met Dale, and I instantly just felt like he made me feel so important as such a nobody there. And it was, uh, it was incredible. So I, w- I was really – you know, it was hard seeing him go uh, the last month. But that pick was really special. And I want to know, before we talk about your feelings getting picked and all that, did you have a chance – to rewatch the pick and see, um, see the significance of it. Yeah, I was, um, I was able to, you know, watch it on sports that the next day, my parents taped it and I kind of watched the clip just to see what it was like. And, um, you know, it was really special to have a, you know, the 10th pick and, and, and which number he wore in, in Winnipeg and, um, you know, made by Crystal it was pretty special. And, uh, you know, obviously I never met him, but I've heard tons of things about him and his legacy in Winnipeg. Everyone seemed to love him there. And 
Um, everyone seemed to love him in Barry and everyone just has great things to say about him and, and what he's done for hockey in those two towns and in and, and hockey in general. So um, it was definitely pretty special to be picked by her. And, um, you know, it's just going to be something that I'll always have that's pretty cool about my draft night is that I was able to have that connection with the Howard Chuck family um, for my pick. And that was uh, that was pretty special for sure. Talk about your entire draft day and the moment you got picked, like everything. I want to know all about it. Yeah, it was it was a great day. Um, tried to treat it pretty normal in the morning, just worked out and um, kind of got back to the house, had some food. And then I had to go get set up to where we, at the restaurant where we were having it. Um, all the family and friends we were having at uh, Brock Street Brewery in Whitby and um, just decided that that would be a good spot for everyone to get together and, and celebrate the draft. And, um, you know, after we set up there, went home, had a bunch of my buddies, Ethan, uh, a couple other guys played in Saginaw and, um, you know, a couple, couple local friends and, and then a bunch of, uh, bunch of hockey guys came to the house and um, we kind of just hung out and, and got ready and then went and got to the restaurant and kind of sat down and figured out the draft and just sat there patiently waiting. And um, it was nerve wracking with tons of people there. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of expectations and, um, you know, it was just getting every pick that was going by. It just feels like it's forever and it, and it takes forever and you get pretty nervous. And um, it was an unbelievable feeling once I heard my name and, you know, I heard you guys going nuts cards and, um, you know, all my friends yeah. and family going crazy. It was a, it was an unbelievable night and um, it was lots of fun and, you know, got to go back and just celebrate at the house with everyone and have a good time. And, um, you know, to be with all my friends and family that night that that's been with me along the road and, um, you know, to know that I have that support, it, it was really special. And, and it was a, a night that I'll never forget. That's, that's awesome to hear. And uh, yeah, I can, I can just imagine Cardi going crazy. I actually remember seeing the Snapchats from that night. It looked like a good time, but uh, so, so did you know that Winnipeg wanted you and, um, like, did you think you were going to go any higher or lower? Had you had a lot of contact with them? What, what went on there? I hadn't really, I'd only had one meeting with Winnipeg. Um, obviously they were, they were going into the bubble and that was their main focus was the playoffs. And, um, you know, I met once with them before the bubble and, um, that was kind of it. And then, you know, as the lottery came about and the team started getting into place, I started talking to Detroit, um, Ottawa, Anaheim, New Jersey. I started talking to those teams a lot and um, didn't even really think about Winnipeg, to be honest, that much because of how much I talked to those four teams and and to the significance that I talked to them about. And then obviously things played out the way it did. And, um, you know, they took their guys that they wanted and I went to Winnipeg and and that was amazing. And and that was, um, you know, even though we'd only met really one time on Zoom, it was still... um, you know, I was super pleased and, and so excited to go there and got a got on a Zoom call right after that, uh, right after pick was in with all the GMs and or the GM, sorry, and all the staff and everyone. And um, they just seemed very, you know, excited and happy to, to have me and, and very welcoming. So um, I only met them once, but it was a, it was a good call. And, um, you know, I wasn't really expecting it, but it was uh, amazing once I got picked there. Hey, I um, also remember you coming back out from the kitchen at Brock Street or whatnot, and you said you got to talk to a few players. Who who, uh, who reached out to you and what they said? Yeah, yeah. So I talked to uh, Mark Shifley, um, Josh Morrissey, uh, Blake Wheeler, and um, Andrew Kopp all reached out. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, pretty welcoming to get that. And, and it makes you feel nice when, you know, elite players such as those four are reaching out and, and – um, you know, welcoming you to the organization and saying that they're excited to play with you and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. It makes you feel pretty good. And, um, you know, as an 18 year old kid, it's, um, you know, it's pretty exciting. I still smile about it when I think about that, that, you know, elite players in the NHL superstars are texting you um, excited that you're going to their team. So that was uh, that was pretty cool to talk to them and, um, you know, have that experience for sure. Yeah, it's really incredible. And, uh, you know, you've, I see you on, on Twitter and all that. You've done a ton of media stuff with the Jets. And how does all that attention make you feel? Like, don't you have something with Sportsnet right after this too? Uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff with Winnipeg is, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to do that. I mean, you know, they're all, all the media, they're so interested and, and so excited for, um, you know, all their picks, but especially, 
you know, to be the first round pick in Winnipeg, they're, they're very excited to welcome me there and, um, you know, get to know me and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I remember the day of and day after the draft, I had 10, 15 calls with Winnipeg media, newspaper, all that kind of stuff. Um, they were just trying to pick my brains and, and see what kind of person I was, the player I was, just super excited to have me. And, um, you know, when you go to a, a sports market that, that cares for their players and um, are, are so excited to have new players and um, get to know them all, it's it's exciting. And, um, you know, I was just, you know, I was really pleased with the how, how that all went. And, um, you know, the Winnipeg media, they, they are very, very good with their players. And I've read a lot of things that they're, they're, um, they don't ridicule or, or criticize their players that much. They try to hype them up and, and get them going. And, um, you know, that's what you want as a player. And, and you want to go to a market that has that kind of fan base and media for sure. And has Winnipeg said anything to you uh, in terms of uh, where they think you'll fit in? Like, can you make the team this year? Have you guys had those talks yet? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's it's tough to say now. There's a lot of uncertainty of even when the season's going to happen, if the OHL is going to happen, um, stuff like that. I think, you know, once things settle down and there's a definitive answer, if, if there's an OHL season to start, um, they'll go from there. I mean, who knows? They, it's definitely not completely out of the picture, they said, of me not playing this year. Obviously, a lot of it's it's very hard to make the jump as an 18-year-old to the next level. And um, most guys go back and, and develop another year in junior and maybe even two years and then go to the NHL or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, that, that's obviously the goal is to make the NHL. And I think that's everyone's dream is to, to make it as fast as possible. But um, I'm just going to do whatever's whatever they think is best for me. And, and they're going to have a great plan in place for me and, um, you know, a place that I can develop the best and, and, and make the NHL at the right time to, to make an impact right away. And, um, you know, if it's not this year and if it's not next year, then, um, you know, I'm sure they're, they're, they have a plan and, and they're ready for me to um, follow that and, and execute that. So I'm not too sure. I haven't had really too much talks with the, uh, too, um, very many talks with them about that kind of stuff, but, um, we'll see, I guess. I think we should just take it to a few fan questions. Yeah. Warm. Yeah. Take it away. I think Go we, for it. we got a few, um, coming in. So from Mario Williams, uh, he asked, what does this off season look like for you in terms of training and whatnot? Um, what's your day-to-day, -day, uh, weekly kind of basis thing. And then, uh, also, uh, is, is Fridays the toughest, uh, the toughest days at the gym, um, mentioning the Hill on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was gonna say my my buddy Jordan Sandbrook says Hill Hill Fridays are the hardest workout of the week. You guys work out together or something? Yeah, so we have the same trainer. Um Fridays are the worst. We go to the hill, this massive hill, and I don't even know what to explain. You just carry a bunch of stuff up, run up it a bunch of times. Like it's just a disaster. It's the hardest workout of the week and we do it every Friday. And you know, you one of the drills, for example, is you got a um a trap bar like uh, you got a trap bar with um, 185 on it and then you're going and you're pulling it up a, you're walking up a hill in between it and, and pulling 100 pounds on a sled behind you and you're pretty much falling backwards as you're going up the hill because there's so much weight um, and it's just relentless stuff like that over and over again but um, for a weekly for a daily like the what my week looks like Monday through Friday in the gym uh, you know usually three to four lifts with the conditioning day, the hill day, and then, you know, we'll mix in a track day in there and, um, you know, combine a lift with a track day or, or conditioning day and stuff like that. Um, and then on the ice three times a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, once with my technical coach and twice with my skills coach. And then, um, you know, we do, uh, we do the full tilt cycling class on Thursday nights to me, me, yeah. Kurt, and a bunch of boys from, from out here go into a conditioning class on, on a cycling class and, and do that. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a good summer so far. Lots of, uh, lots of exercise, lots of hard work. And, um, but it's been, it's been good so far. There's been a lot of improvements and, and success from it. Yeah. I, I was, um, I was you mind if say, I add something here? Yeah, I was going to toss it to you with the golf thing. I was going to say, yeah, I've taken a few bucks from him this summer. I will say it. Um, <laughs> You should have seen Fats at the start of the summer. Though. Well, yeah, this is my first year golfing. I didn't even know how to hit the ball. Like, I was terrible at golf. And I was probably would have shot – like, if I actually kept score when I was first learning how to play, like, this year, the first five rounds, I would have shot 130. 
yeah, you were up there for sure. What but you shooting now, though? Now I'm shooting no, like 85. Oh, yeah, okay, 85. Right. I, I think you got her down to like 81, 82 once this year. Yeah, my best round is 82. That's, that's yeah, actually I, really impressive for your first well, I summer. Couldn't, I couldn't hit the ball at the beginning of the year. And now it's better. But that's what happens when you play with – like, Card's obviously really good at golf. So when you play yeah. with guys like him um, and, and the other guys we play with are all – high-end golfers um you learn a lot from them and um pretty much free golf lessons every time I play just picking up on things that they do and um you know how to carry yourself on the course proper etiquette stuff like that and um just learning certain things it's definitely been really helpful and um it's been yeah I mean cards does take my money a little bit I don't know if I get enough shots anymore I mean like six aside might not be enough but uh We'll see. We'll have to reevaluate next year. Hey, for a guy who's about to sign a big ticket, um, <laughs> I, think, I don't think it'll bug you too much to lose a few dollars. But it's also, I must add, for a guy who probably has the best hands in the OHL, I mean, everyone saw him at uh, the Helenka Gretzky and just put on a clinic in the shootout. So for a guy who has hands like that, I've never seen a worse chipper for him starting his golf career. Oh, I would have really? expected a lot more after all those shootout goals. He's just moving his hands around and just flawless on the ice. But uh, it took a little bit of time at, uh, at golf, but he's gotten there. It's still taking time. Definitely my short game, putting and chipping are where I lose a lot of my strokes. Um, my iron work can, is pretty good, but everything, I mean, my short game is pretty horrendous and that's where I lose, lose a lot of my strokes. So, yeah, we only got a few more here, and uh, then we'll let you go. But uh, H. Lewis asks, is there any NHL player that you model your game after? Yeah, um, growing up, when he was – it was Mitch Marner growing up when he was on London first couple of years in the NHL. Um, it was definitely him. And obviously, we're a little bit different players. He's, you know, electrifying speed and can skate so fast. And um, But the way I think that he uses his brain and, you know, hockey IQ in the offensive zone, you know, he's got that dual threat of scoring and playmaking ability. And I think, you know, I got that, that, that ability too, to a certain extent, obviously not to his level, but uh, you know, all relevant um, in, in the, in the level that we play at, I think, you know, his, his brain's very good and, and he's able to see guys in the, in the offensive zone and be able to delay and, um, you know, find the open man, stuff like that. I think, you know, I do that to a certain extent as well. And, and I try to model my game after him. Um, but recently, the last couple of years, I think it's transitioned to more, it's more like a Braden point, um, just because of his, you know, in junior, he wasn't the best skater. And, you know, that's kind of what my knock is a little bit is, is my skating. Um, and, and that was what his knock was in his draft year. I think he had 90 points or something, 80 points in his draft year. And he went third round, something crazy, like great year. And he went yeah. third round due to his skating, um, and, and that's what kind of people say about me a little bit is, is my knock. Um, so I, I want to, you know, model my game after him now, the way he plays, you know, that dual threat as well, being able to score and use his, his brain all over the ice. And, um, you know, it's a little ambitious to, to you know, play like Braden Point because he's one of the best players in the world right now. And it's a bit of a stretch, but it's definitely someone who I'd love to play like and, and, you know, take parts of his game and put it into mine for sure. Yeah, I think that comparison's uh, definitely pretty on point. And I mean, when you say you talk about using your brain and stuff, we'll go back to this game in Flint Rask, and I'll tell you, I was playing probably the worst game of my career. And I think we're up 7-3 in Flint, and um, I'm like dash three or something, like something outrageous. And we're just killing them, having a great game. Everyone on the team's super happy, but like, I'm obviously pumped for winning and stuff, big playoff race game and stuff, but boy, oh boy, I was playing terrible, right? And uh, last shift of the game, I get on with a minute to go somehow. I don't know why I'm getting put on or whatever, but somehow I get out there and uh, Fetch probably dangles. There's five guys on the ice. He probably dangled eight total people. He found other people to dangle. Gets it in the corner, on his knees, finds me back door, and I luckily I got an, I got a goal, so it salvaged my night a little bit, or else I would have just been going off the walls. Yeah, that's the, the famous night in Flint. We hear about that one quite a bit here. Uh, oh. Good night, though. And Yeah, no, after that, I wasn't too, too <laughs> mad. <laughs> but, uh, all right, we'll keep it rolling. Um, B. Myers asks, uh, what's your game day routine? Uh, do you have any superstitions you like to stick to? For game day, like, 
game day routine, just go to the rink every day. Um, every game day we go to the rink and um, our coach or, or someone makes pancakes and we have a couple pancakes, um, do some video. I go on the ice for, you know, 10 minutes, quick, quick lap and a couple shots. And then I get off and um, either go cold tub or, or cold shower and then um, head home and, you know, take a nap, relax at home, play with my billet dog just play with him for a bit. You know, I always hang out with him. He's the best when no one's home. So I'm always hanging out with him. Um, and then I just throw some TV on relax. And um, I guess the superstition would be whatever I eat and we play good as a team or have a good game or whatever it is. Um, I'll usually eat that same meal and playing on a pretty high end team like Saginaw, I was eating the same meal almost every game pretty much. Um, so I was getting pretty sick of it, but you know, it was pasta with shrimp or uh, or pasta with like a meat sauce. And, and that was pretty much the go to every time and, you know, stuck to that pretty much every game. So that was getting a little tired of that. But, um, you know, then to shower, get dressed. And um, I, I had to drive. I, I was lucky enough to drive T-Bone Cod this year um, for the first half of the year. And then he got a car. But so that was part of my routine. We go pick him up and listen to some music and then head to the rink. And um, I guess another superstition would be the way I take my stick every, I take two sticks every game, total heel. Um, and then the, the, the stick I'm going to use for the game, the blade doesn't touch the ground until I go on the ice. And, and then it, pretty much everything else is not really superstitious. Just go with the flow every, uh, the rest of the time, but that definitely the tape job can't touch the ground before, uh, before I hit the ice for warm up. I'm I'm sure T Bone shouted your ear off too, just chewing it <laughs> off on the way to the rink. That guy never has enough to say. So, um, all right, uh, moving on to the next one here. We got uh, Zach Rose. Have you ever faced any adversity or adversity, not adversary, uh, from where you uh, where you came from or where you are now? Yeah, I think the biggest piece of adversity would be just being like we talked about earlier, being cut from the World Junior Team. Um, being the first time like that being the first time being cut from anything um it was definitely a hard pill to swallow and especially going on to um them going on to win and, and being so close to gold medal and um you know coming up short not making the team and, and watching them have success it was definitely very hard to to do and in a hard pill to swallow and uh you know definitely was a setback but um you know I had to use it as motivation I think I did and, and I think it was a driving force for the rest of the season so um, like I said before, it was motivation. And um, at the end of the day, looking back, it might be a blessing in disguise, but it was definitely a very hard thing to swallow. And, um, you know, it was awful in the moment. Still looking back, it's awful. But, uh, you know, hopefully can make the team this year and, and forget about that in the past. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you got a great chance. And then uh, you guys also got another great chance to win gold again here with Canada. And then uh, our last question of the day from Tommy VZ. Uh, do you have any advice for kids growing up with aspirations of making the NHL besides basically just working hard and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, obviously the work ethics goes for itself. I think that's kind of the cliche um, answer. But I think, you know, the one thing would be your mindset, how you are like on and off the ice. You know, I, you, you see nowadays, it's it's not just how hard you work on the ice, but it's the things you do away from the ice. And if you really want to become a hockey player, it's it's the, the, the little things away, you know, sacrificing some stuff with your friends to make sure you get a good night's sleep or working hard in the gym, stuff like that. You know, nutrition so important now, taking care of your body, all the little stuff away from the rink that um, no one really notices, but is so crucial for your success is is really important. And it's becoming more important in hockey every day and in the future of hockey is, is definitely the, the way you treat your body. Um, you know, obviously the work ethic on the ice is super important and having fun and, and making sure you have a passion and love for the game. But if you really want to be, um, you know, a hockey player and, you know, you might not have to do this to a certain extent at a young age, you know, when you're young, more so just have fun and, and uh, you know, play the game you love, but, especially once you start getting older and, and it becomes really relevant, you know, definitely the, the way you treat your body and, and the way you act off the ice is definitely going to, um, you know, make or break you uh, essentially on the ice. So it, it's really important. And, uh, but it, definitely if you're a little kid, just have fun, smile and, and play the game that you love. So um, that would yeah. be my advice. Did you take notes on that answer, man? 
come on, you know, I'm a pro. <laughs> um, I take care of the body and work hard, you know, do all the little things like he said. And yeah, for anyone who needs advice, I think he's a great role model to, uh, to get it from. And obviously, yeah, if you look at the OHL nowadays, there's a lot of guys who are following kind of the strict diet routines. And I know I skate with vets and uh, we both do our workouts during the, uh, during the week and stuff. And it's pretty regimented. So I think, yeah, just follow uh, what he's saying there. And I think it's pretty straightforward, but definitely you're just going to want to have fun with it. And I think that's one thing that vets and myself both being in OHL, you just have a good time and uh, let the other things take care of themselves. Uh, cool. Thank you, man. That was great. I really appreciate you joining us. Cardi and I are both super excited about this one. And uh, uh, do either, either of you have anything to add before we wrap it up here? No, I just want to say thanks for having me on. And uh, that was a treat. Um, good for you too. Can't wait to, to listen to the episode and listen to the future episodes. Got a big, got a bright future with the, the next couple episodes here. Hey, Cardi? Yeah, we're laughing for the future here. And uh, <laughs> just remember, I, I invited you on first episode. So yes, always, that's always uh, keep us close. Okay. And whatever you do, don't get uh, don't get Danny on the pod. No, we're not allowing him on the pod. <laughs> All, right. All right. See you, boys. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Fetz. Yeah, Rask, I think it was awesome to have Fetz on for the first episode. Really sets us in the right direction with such a uh, – highly touted prospect uh, to kick things off for us here yeah definitely uh I was really happy to get him on and uh, you know I think some of the things he said were really great and you know hearing about the adversities faced and kind of the whole draft situation was really interesting for me and I think the listeners are going to really like it and, and that just about wraps it up for this episode I just want to say you can follow us on Instagram at showbound podcast and on Twitter at showbound pod so, you know, check us out. We'll be uh, tweeting and posting on Instagram who, who our interviews are. Uh, you can also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, you can watch the video version on YouTube at Showbound Podcast uh, is our channel on YouTube. So uh, make sure you check it all out. And yeah, we're going to be doing our best here to come out with, with episodes every week with some big name guys. And uh, we're really excited about this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully, you know, you guys enjoyed it and yeah, we're looking forward to chatting with you guys next week.